Welcome to the True Blue LA podcast, and Eric, welcome back to True Blue LA. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm technically an old friend alert at this point. Were you um, traded to National? Is that how that worked? Yeah. I Who was, was the player uh, to be named later? It was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, as we're recording this on Monday, March 2nd, and today was my first day back, um, I am... Now I've shifted over, still with SB Nation, shifting over to the California communities, as they're calling it, um, which is sort of the network of all the California team sites. But my my focus is is Dodgers and some Angels. So I'm going to write some at Halos Heaven, but mostly uh, back at True Blue LA, uh, which we were going to be doing on the podcast anyway, and I was still going to write weekly reports like kind of no matter what. So... But now it's more uh, of a full-time. This is my actual full-time focus now. I'm not going to be writing nationally for .com. I guess, like, on occasion I might on a one-off article here and there. But my focus is going to be the local baseball and um, going to kind of just get back to it and pretty excited about it. So, yeah, I'm back. Not To celebrate. Not only are we going to talk about you being back, we're going to do one of our one of my favorite episodes of the year, the roster prediction, which we do way too early in spring training, mostly just so we can get to completely embarrassing Ron. We get to do that for the first time with 26 men. Uh, we have a Dodgers Rewind. We have some uh, questions from Craig. All of that after this. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. You're back at the site. I am I'm the opposite. I'm in a new new house. We mentioned it at the end of the last episode. I spent the last two weeks moving. The We're com- basically completely unpacked. Everything is looking gorgeous in this house except for the basement which is where my office is which is where my desk is and i sent you a picture before maybe we'll maybe i'll put it on the show notes i don't know probably not i don't want people to see how bad this is it's bad my desk is atrocious there's just crap everywhere keyboard network clips speakers my uh, audio usb unit is on top of i think four bags of network clips <laughs> i am plugged in manually into my network from a using a 25 foot long network cable and i on my laptop i normally have two monitors going i've got a really nice keyboard set up just so i've got a space to put my show notes and my sh- right now you i don't know i think my video is on for you eric yeah i am holding my notebook because I have literally nowhere to put it on my desk to keep track of when I when I screw up and say stupid stuff, so I can edit it out and make me seem, you know, halfway intelligent. That's dedication. Um, but I will say this, and as someone who's recorded with you, we we've done this for like seven years now. Um, you sound awesome, and that the, the microphone is set up. It's on top of crap, but it is yeah. set up, so that that's yeah. good to go. But you 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 always mention like your your dad, uh, who is an audio professional, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, he helped you set up uh, in your new house, and uh, it, it's it's sonically uh, delicious right now. So yeah, I he like just it. left. He may this episode might come out while he's still on the road. Maybe he can listen to it. Uh, thank you very much, Dad. He helped everywhere above above where I am right now. That, and again, it looks incredible there. It does not look good down here. We didn't make it. Uh, make it down here, but I'll, I'll get there in a week. But point being, this is going to be the least prepared I've ever been, I think, for a spring training roster prediction episode. I have some thoughts. I've actually watched, I think, four spring training games because it's been a, a, watched is, is a loose phrase. It's been on kind of in the background while I've been like building IKEA furniture and cabling networks and stuff like that. Uh, so I think I think knowledge wise I'm kind of prepared, but I have not put my roster my guest to paper. But I think I've got a good idea, and I'm excited to see if uh, you and I are on the same page. And well, and that's sort of what this podcast is for. We're, we're just sort of going to talk through a lot of the uh, the battles, as it were, or just the state of the roster. But also, I w- I wish I had more trivia to throw at you because you're so you're so frazzled so and unprepared, <laughs> and like so it would be hilarious. But I will not do that. Um, you mentioned though watching spring training and one of the questions from Craig last podcast was would we watch more um, college basketball or spring training? And I think NBA was in there as well. And I said spring training and I said college basketball and uh, I was wrong. It's spring training. (laughs) And I've, I've watched like, I, I think not every second of the Dodgers so far, but like most, most of like, most you, of them, you and I, I have been texting through for a lot of these games, just yeah. kind of the interesting moments. I will say I've had a lot of the games on mute while doing other things, but just on in the background watching. But that's I hope how not I, the games like, with Joe and Oral. It, I, I missed them. Those were great. But maybe certain other announcers you can mute at will. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's basically how it happened. But like, uh, but also like I watched a couple college basketball games like in the background too. 
like that's just how it happens sometimes. I might be listening to a podcast. I might be in the middle of doing something for work, and I and I don't necessarily want to get just that distracted. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so far. It, spring training leads by country mile. Um, just real so, quick yeah. before we get into the roster predictions and the the new rules that will kind of dictate ha- yeah. how we construct these rosters. Did you see the the thing the Cubs did today with Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo? Yeah. So ESPN, I didn't. I didn't watch all the clips, but yeah, ESPN was tele- televising that game nationally. I think Cubs Angels, and um, yeah, they mic'd up both Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, much like they've done in the All Star game the last couple of years. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they Mookie Betts as a Red Sox uh, was mic'd up for a game last spring, or maybe the spring before that. Similar deal where he's like talking to the announcers yeah. during the game. And like it's it's funny as hell, and then it's like oh crap, so I gotta go good. get that, you know. <laughs> and like so, and like uh, that is where um, it's really awesome. I I don't know if they would ever like. Well, I don't know if the players would be as open if it's like during a game that counted, sure. but it is still fun. And even if it's like um, NFL film style, where just mic the players up, like they do this on some national broadcasts, like where they. You might see a couple innings after the fact. They go back and and go. Let's let's listen into the sounds of the game or whatever. <laughs> and you can put together like a produced thing with just audio from that. I think the more stuff like that that gets out that personalizes the players, like um, it's. I think that just helps grow the game. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Mic them up whenever possible. Let the players like show their personalities, and it's really fun. Just like spring training, such fun. Well, we should get to the meat of the episode. No, so we we I quickly mentioned some new rules in play that will slightly well in one case fairly drastically alter how we're doing this roster prediction, and a couple that will uh will sort of slightly alter it. Uh, what are those rules, Eric? Okay, so MLB has a number of rules. I'm not going to go over all of them. The ones that are <laughs> no, we're going to go every rule in baseball. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, you can only bring in a position player to pitch if it's after the, they actually did change that, but we're not going to do that. But um, uh, the roster limits now are 25 or from 25 to 26 during the regular part. And then the cutoff there is the trade-off is in September instead of 40 man rosters, it's 28, but we're, we're not worrying about September rosters now. So the normal like active roster, we always say who's going to be on the final 25 now. It's the final 26. But not only that, uh, they capped uh, the rosters at 13 pitchers. So like we talked about this on a previous podcast, the Dodgers have been going for 13 pitchers for a long time, like the last two or three years, just because they churn through their bullpen and things. Uh, I didn't put this in our notes, but one of the things they that'll be changed a little bit this year for pitchers who go on the DL or um, are optioned, they have to stay down for 15 days now. The same thing applies for an option where if a player's coming, they come back to replace another injured player in a shorter amount of time. But uh, it's it's easier to like put a, a starter on the DL for 10 days, knowing he'll only miss one start because there might be an off day in between or something. But it's harder to do it for a 15-day thing. So they might – there's like there could be less gaming of the system, maybe possibly, but they still do have the depth to sort of uh, do 13 man bullpens. But the way the the roster limits are set up now, you can't you can't go super extreme and go 14 man bullpens because that would be the worst. Like if they expanded the roster and then all it does is everyone adds another pitcher, 
that would be boring as hell and it would be more changes. The other thing is, and we'll get to this when we talk to talk about the, um, the pitchers, but there's a new uh, three batter minimum for relievers. Uh, so that really affects the left-handers because, you know, there's not a lot of right-handers who just come in to face one, one um, batter, but like lefties there are. And so now they have to face three batters unless it's the end of the inning. Um, so like if they came in with two outs in a situation and got the final out of the inning, they're free to be substituted at that point. But like it's going to affect how um, that is deployed. And we'll get to that in the pitchers, but – Back to the the limit for a second. There is a caveat: if uh, if you're a if you qualify as a two way player, um, then you can not count against the thirteen pitchers. So, if you have twenty innings pitched or twenty starts at a position or DH with at least three plate appearances in that game, then you count as a two way player. Now. The only person that qualifies right now is Shohei Otani, <laughs> the only person in baseball who fits this criteria, and they basically put it in for that. There's a few other players who are, like, trending that way, but they, they're still not quite at that level yet, or at least might not be used that way. Michael Lorenzen, uh, Brendan McKay type um, players, we'll, we'll see if they eventually get there. But they even, they even codified it to Otani because – for 2020, usually it's the, the, the season before or the season current. What for Otani for this year, they made it if it uh, if he did any of those in 2019 or 2018, which essentially covers the fact that Otani didn't pitch last year because of Tommy John. So, uh, yeah, he's the only two way player in baseball, very unique for him. So the Angels can actually be the only team that can regularly use 14 pitchers, counting him if they so choose. Yeah. So those are the rules. Uh, and that, that'll, that'll sort of affect how we get into the rosters. Uh, my thought on this is we'll pick, we'll eventually pick um, 13 position players and 13 pitchers. Mm-hmm. I want to start with the position players because to me that these are like the most set. Um, I agree. I, and coming into this, like if you wanted to argue that all 13 position players are set, I wouldn't fight you on it. But like for sake of, you know, we, we do a podcast. We, we want to have stuff to talk about. Um, I think I, wa- I, I want to go, I'll go as low as 11. 11 players are set. And that's, now, I literally have 11 written out right now, and I'm figuring out my last two. So I, I'm just going to go down the list here just just because I, I typed them out. Just We do that sometimes, you'll just to make sure you're not missing anybody. Buddy, I think I'm sure I've done this with like Chris Taylor before. Or something. I, I, you list out a lineup and you're like, oh, wait, I forgot Jock, you know, or something like so that. I'll let you know right now. I've, I forgot uh, AJ Pollock. So I'm at 12. <laughs> okay. So the, just the ones I listed as locks and let, I'll go to the end and then we could talk about who you think I'm missing or whatever. Um, okay. The, the outfielders, yeah, you might've heard of them. Cody Bell and Jeremy Mookie Betts. Uh, Jock Peterson, the aforementioned AJ Pollock, those four. The the for sure infielders I have Justin Turner, Corey Seager, Max Muncie. Catchers: Will Smith, Austin Barnes. Utility dudes, uh, their official title: uh, Kike Hernandez and Chris Taylor. That's my eleven. Now, I know what you're probably all thinking. <laughs> I only listed three infielders, and you know. Cody Bellinger can play first, 
so can the, the utility players can play um, many positions, but uh, there's probably one missing. And is, I'm going to guess he is that person in one one of your twelve, or is it the other position battle we're going to talk about? So you want to just talk about who you, the the big name you're missing? Okay, yeah. So Gavin Lux. Yeah. And <laughs> you know we talked about last podcast. I think one of the questions from Craig was. Which Dodgers most is going to finish higher in award voting this year? And we, uh, I picked um, Gavin Lux is going to win Rookie of the Year because he's the one who has like a job at the get go. The only thing that's giving me pause, and it, it's like the slightest amount of pause right now, is that I think it's I haven't been to spring training. I'm actually not going to spring training this year, which is the first time since the Dodgers moved to Arizona that I won't be down there. Um, but just been from reading the reports. It's been asked a couple times, I think, about Lux, and I just think they haven't like committed to it. You know, some some people they've said have certain roles already. Part of it is I just think they're just doing like the rookie talk, where you know nothing's set in stone, but like they've stopped short of saying he's the everyday second baseman because I think they also have there. There's a lot of veterans like who, like especially like Kike and Chris Taylor. Uh, that's like a big part of their playing time. If second base is open, they can rotate through that. And also it moves, it helps. If you can move Bellinger to first on a few days, have Muncie play second, that means you can play Peterson and Pollock more. I'm not saying that's ideal, but um, because Lux might be better than those options, depending on the matchup. But that's, those are sort of what the options are. Um, The other thing to consider not saying this is what's motivating this is uh, service time, gaming the system, if you will, the, the Chris Bryant move or the Walker Bueller move. In the case of a couple years ago with Walker Bueller, he was, it's not always like keep a guy down at the start of the season and like until a certain date. Um, that's like a common way to do it. Uh, you need 172 days for a full season of service time. Lux already accrued 28 days in September. So if we're talking about like from the beginning of the season, if the Dodgers were to put him in the minors just to ensure that he won't be at a full season by the end of 2020, the date you're to watch is May 8th. So if they call him up uh, anytime uh, May 8th or later, he will not have a full year of service time at the end of the season, which means, and again, there's going to be a new CBA so we don't even know if these rules are going to sort of apply going forward. It probably will in some form. But that essentially means potentially an extra year of control before hitting free agency. That's why the teams do it if they do it. Again, not saying that's why they do it. But uh, the other way is is like an like uh, occasional, like a midseason um, optioning to the minors. They did that with Walker Bueller a few years ago because he came up in, in – um, before the season was over in 2017. But then um, in 2018, after he came up, uh, they sent him down for a week uh, right at the All-Star break where he didn't miss much actual games, but the lost service time left him four days shy of a full year at the end of the year. I don't think that was necessarily a coincidence, but um, yeah, so that's that's an option. Not say, Again, not saying that's what the Dodgers are doing with Lux, but that's those are just things to keep in mind when thinking about this. So I, we'll, we'll talk about the rosters. I still think Lux is, is, is a favorite 
to be the starting second baseman on opening day. Um, so, but you know, it, nothing has been like given yet. So th- there's, there's one battle that we're going to talk about before we get there. The only, the question I have for you, mm-hmm. how much rope is Will Smith going to get? Good question. Um, well, and it's because it's an interesting catcher is a really interesting position in the Dodgers system, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, kind of at all levels. But in this case, you have Austin Barnes, who is mm-hmm. going in as a backup, but has been the the presumed and nominal starter for the Dodgers for two and a half or so years, uh, off and on. And they have another extremely highly rated prospect, Kyber Reese, uh, rate waiting in AAA. It, it seems like just from sort of the 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 way. Um, Doc has kind of approached it and presented it like it's his to lose pretty strongly. Like like they're going to give him room to maybe make some have a bit of a sophomore slump. But I'm still curious when you have such strength kind of elsewhere, if we could see a, sort of similar to what happened to Kike Hernandez last year, where he was declared the starting second baseman to start last year, and that faded. Yeah, I guess it depends on the options. Like, honestly, like Ruiz would have to really burn down the house, like to, uh, or you know, you know, or knock down the door. That's the metaphor I was going for. Like, he'd have <laughs> which to he really didn't do out. last year. He right. had a fine year, but and like I think also he has a lot of stuff to actually work on as a catcher. And I think the Dodgers are actually perfectly fine with Smith, like defensively and controlling the running game, calling games, etc. Right, but but I, I the only thing I will say is that's what we said about Austin Barnes last year. Right, right, but then so but that's the situation. I it would take a lot. Like I think the most obvious move is would just be to um, make Barnes the starter at some point, and then maybe um, that's when you have like a. Like, like if Jose Lobatone ends up sticking in AAA um, as as sort of the backup there or whatever, maybe if if it's like you know middle of May and Smith is hitting like 179 or something, and you might be want to give him some time down in the minors to work on stuff. Maybe you make Barnes the starter, and then you call up Lobatone to be the backup. That, or maybe you see who's actually available uh, to trade for or something like that. I don't know. I, but I think we've got a little bit of time before that. But I think what they would do now, like if if there's like a slump, maybe they lean on Barnes a little more to where it's not a like a two-third, one-third split of playing time. Maybe it's more one-to-one or three-to-two or something like that to where um, – you're not asking Smith to take like so much playing time, like a Grandal level um, where he gets worn down. Not that I think he might, but like maybe just to not overwork him. Uh, But I just, I think there's a lot of rope there. Like they didn't make the move for last year for Barnes. Admittedly, he had, you know, a lot more cachet under his belt um, until like July. So, I think it would take something like that to make a, a move like that, but I think they're high enough on Smith to let him ride out a little bit. Okay, so let's talk about the last battle, sort of the 26th man. When you when this rule 
it kind of came up last year, but when it we we started talking about it in this offseason as a rule change that was upcoming, we sort of flirted with the idea of well, maybe maybe more teams were, are willing to carry um, a hyper specialist like a pinch runner, like a Terrence Gore type, and the Dodgers are in position to do that. But I don't think With either. You, Terrence Gore, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't think y- neither you or I. Th- the it's it would it would be strange for a Dodgers, a team that pr- like prides itself and seeks out flexibility, positional flexibility, so much to just go now. Nah, we're going to use that twenty six spot on a pinch runner. Yeah, I think like Terrence Gore's role to me is like if. That's like if they go to the NLDS, and then they'll they'll decide to use him for that because you don't need you don't necessarily need thirteen pitchers. You might only need twelve, so you could actually carry fifteen uh, position players, and then you have Terrence Gore as your specialized pinch runner. That's when you sort of use him. But yeah, during the season, man, a lot would have to go wrong. Then again, like look, last year they they literally traded for like Christopher Negron and. Um, uh, Jed Jerko and like who knows man like anything could happen but I think it would take a lot um, so that yeah. leads us with I believe Matt Beatty and uh, Edwin Rios yeah um, and so just and not not to, not to be a jerk and correct you but I'm going to correct you um, the Dodgers did send out um, the sort of pronunciation guide uh, oh. last week or so and uh, like just to just to clear this up it is Beatty. i know okay. it's spelled it's, it looks like bd if you're looking at it but yeah baby it, it's, it, the, it's the bat meaty thing that like trips me up right. and that's why I, I, my ton rolls that way so but also if you remember go, the google doodle last year where the the, the game um <laughs> you remember the game on the I phone do. where yeah and that was a fun game and one of the characters was like literally a piece of steak with a bat and that was going around as bat meaty for a while <laughs> <laughs> so that had staying power i get it so, so basically, the thing that's weird about this is like we talked about with maybe with twenty six players on a roster and a three pitcher minimum, uh, three batter minimum for pitchers. Maybe there's room for more pinch hitting. The problem is like I think a lot of that's going to happen with like loogies where you force them to face a right hander. Maybe that's a set lineup spot, but maybe you pinch hit a righty because you know a lefty has to face that guy. So it's – but you have Beatty and Rios are both left-handed batters. And then the Dodgers do have righties, but, like, uh, the the only other, like, right-hander – I mean, they have, um, like, DJ Peters is on the 40-man. Are they really – he's not going to make the opening day roster. That's not going to happen. Like, Tyler White was DFA'd. He's a non-roster invitee. He's right-handed, but, like, he hasn't been good in a while. But he has sort of the skill set that would be, like, if they had to – if they said, look, we got we want to have a right-handed pinch hit bat, and that's what we're going for. That's the only case where I could see them, like, going, all right, well – but then you have to make a 40-man move. So I guess someone would have to be hurt in that case, uh, like, a, like a long-term hurt, like 60-day DL, 60-day injured list. Um, so that's a long shot. So it really does, I think, come down to Beatty or Rios now – the other sort of caveat here is that this is if it's Beatty or Rios for one spot, that's there's also Lux's spot if he's not on the team. And we've talked about this where 
the Dodgers flexibility doesn't mean you have to replace Lux with another infielder. Like Zach McKinstry has been playing lights out so far. He's on the 40 man. Uh, he played all over like every position, but pitcher catcher in the minors. He, he did well like Lux did at double A AA and triple A last year. He's also, I think three years older. Um, so like not certainly not the prospect Lux is, but someone who could definitely fill in at some point in the majors this year. I, I, he could be an opening day guy just because of his versatility, but he's another left-handed bat. So, like, I don't know. But, like, it could be Beatty and Rios just take both spots if Lux is not on the team. Uh, or it could be one of them and, like, a McKinstry. But, like, I think you're working too hard if – it's not to say McKinstry is, like, better than Lux right now. Maybe it's something where if Lux – if they want Lux to work on something, like, literally if he's having trouble – and they like just take two more two weeks or something in the minors, uh, work on this, then come back, then you'll be fine. I could see that, but like that's that's sort of where we're at. So I guess the the question is, Beatty Rios, like they've essentially been. Uh, I think Beatty's a little more flexible defensively. He played more outfield last year in the majors and minors. Uh, this spring, though, he's been almost kind of limited to third base. Uh, he played um, – Edwin Rios has only started at first. Both have started at DH as well. Rios uh, played an inning at third base in one of the games. So I think if it's if it's one or the other, I think it's Beatty because, well, he had better success last year on a, over a longer period of time. And in, like, clutch situations, they, they sort of relied on him a lot. And the versatility, I think it would be Beatty over Rios, but like Rios is certainly someone they they wouldn't mind having up if they need a spot. The the oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and the other interesting thing is with an additional position player, especially with a team like the Dodgers, that's an additional active player who could get hurt, <laughs> and Rios oh, right. is right there. And then you get your. I, I suspect that we're going to see enough of Rios over the course of the first couple of months. Uh, that that will get an idea of which of the two is is kind of the 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 better bat, and that the hot hand might end up staying around longer term. Yeah, I could see that. The other thing that could sort of open up a spot for both is that Jock Peterson still isn't quite like uh, ready yet. He's been dealing with this like mysterious injury. I've heard it called side abdomen or hip. Uh, Dave Roberts did not wanted to. He like wouldn't call it an oblique. I think he said that's a dirty word. And so I, if, whether that was just him like trying to wish it away or what, but it's, it sounds like I, I haven't heard oblique necessarily like definitively based on reports I've read, but um, the fact that he's not like ready yet doesn't mean he's not going to be ready for opening day, but that's just, just throwing that out there as a, a possibility to throw a wrench into things. There's always a wrench into things like we're going to pick a roster but like four of the guys we pick are going to be on the DL or I say DL it's, it's injured list. So like, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so if, if we just assume since we, you had, you had 12 locks, I had 11. If we just assume my 11 locks, um, I would, I'm going to go ahead and pick Lux and Beatty for the last two spots. W- what do you think for those? So I have one quick question before I answer. Yes. Uh, is the Dodgers 40 men at 40? Yes. Oh. Um, so, the the other thing on that is um, it was technically at forty two, oh, okay. but but two were on the restricted list, so they're not on the forty man. One of those is Andrew Tolles, who hasn't been around. Still, really haven't got an update on him. Probably don't expect him back 
maybe ever, I don't know. The other was um, Yadier Alvarez, who was, they sort of started the clock on him in that he was in camp uh, reported when the pitchers reported and they had like a 30 day window to sort of see him. And at the end of that, they would have had to take him off the restricted list and then put him back on the 40 man. He was going to get, um, uh, make his cactus league debut on Friday, but then like he was scratched. Uh, I guess he had, he's dealing with a shoulder injury of some sort, maybe, but the Dodgers just went ahead and designated him for assignment on Saturday. So he's off the 40 man. Now he, he cleared waivers um, and he's, he got outrighted to, so he's off the 40 man in my, in the minor league side. He's on the minor league side of camp. Now, not sure exactly when he's going to pitch again because of this, this injury that hasn't been like announced or, um, you know, officially said, but it's probably like a shoulder thing or something um, that he's dealing with, but He's off the 40 man, but yeah, the 40 man otherwise is full. Um, so yeah, they, they would need, um, so I can't add Cody Thomas to my list. Yeah, I, I texted yeah. you after I think the second game that I would put him on my put on my roster. Now you're I telling forget, me my dreams are crushed. I forget which day it was, but the day they played two games, uh, he uh, in the in one of the games, he hit two home runs in an inning. Uh, so yeah, he and McKinstry have been like just lighting it up in, in the Cactus League. I believe mine, he hit a home run and then had a game-saving catch. Or game, type oh, ended up being was amazing. high-preserving yeah. catch, yeah. Yeah, he went over the wall in right field to get <laughs> it. Like, yeah, that was great. So uh, I will go with uh, Beatty Lux. And, and you know what? I'm going to say that whether it's Jock or someone else, someone is going to get a soft start, get, spend an extra couple of weeks in Arizona, and Rios, Rios starts the the year on the 26-man roster. Okay, so wait. But you, you have to I'm pick cheating. the person on the DL. Okay. Just... Oh, okay, fine. Hold on. Who? We, we both, I we... go, okay, I'm going to say Jock just because I don't want to like wish ill of anyone yeah. else. <laughs> like you. I smite, I smite you. Uh, okay, so we're both we're both Beatty Lux sites. Um, now, the pitchers, like, there's... So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you. We went yes. a little long. We, we, okay. There's been some some bugs with serving ads, so we we may we may be right back, but there might be a commercial here, uh, and we'll talk about pitchers, and then we'll probably run one more bit of business, and then we'll do the rewind and some questions. But I'm excited to talk pictures, pitchers, not pictures, pitchers <laughs> after this. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So pitchers, I think, is more interesting. And there's, I'm looking over your show notes, and there's a name I'm going to quiz you about that I'm really surprised doesn't even get a mention here. Uh, but we'll we'll start with the starters, I guess. That makes sense, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Mm. Man, first of all, that ad for that delicious Farmer John hot dog <laughs> makes me so hungry right now. Uh, that's uh. the longest running <laughs> gag. Seven years or whatever it is running. Yeah. I think it's first or second episode we joked about the Farmer John sponsorship. How One bad day. is Farmer John? Um, One day. Okay, so we're recording this on Monday, March 2nd. David Price made his debut uh, today. He was like, okay, I think he gave up two runs in the first. He pitched into the second. Everyone's only made their first start so far. It's really nothing going on. Everyone has like four starts left before opening day, so whatever. But it's it's kind of set. The, the rotation is, at least. Um, now, uh, Roberts has not committed to an order yet. However... The order they're going with, they went with to start the Cactus League, or like after a few games, is Kershaw followed by Bueller. Um, Now, yeah, that's what they're doing. So, and they're staying in that order for now. There's ample time each, like the way I sort of backed into the opening day is um, they're going to get at some point uh, two more starts with extra rests before opening day. So, I mean, the opening day start could be one of those, but like there's ample time if they wanted to flip them, but I think they did. They probably started that way for a reason. Um, Roberts wouldn't, uh, he, I think his, his line has been, you could read into whatever you, whatever you want, but he's, he's not going to say anything yet. Sounds like Kershaw is going to start opening day and it's, it's probably more of an honorific thing. Um, and it's not like he was bad last year. So I get it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so then Price is pretty clearly the, the third guy. I guess his thing was he had a um, assist uh, on his hand and or uh, assist on his arm, and uh, he was having some trouble last year, feeling like numbness in his fingers. And he was saying it's like it's better now, and it felt great today, even though like maybe the results exactly weren't there. So that's something to watch with him. I think he's probably going to be fine. But then the the four or five spots, like I doesn't I don't know if they've said who is who, but like, it's basically Julio Urias and Alex Wood. Um, so I'll, I will just read you uh, a couple of quotes just from these like game reports. This is from Jorge Castillo in the LA times, uh, actually uh, quoting Dave Roberts here. Uh, the inconsistency of uh, role was hard for Julio, but now things will be more regimented as a starter. So with that, the way he's looked physically to sustain that, I think he's going to have a really nice year. Now this was uh, last week. Uh, Roberts named uh, Julio as a member of the starting rotation. Like that's, it's not official because they don't actually announce it, but he's in the starting rotation. Uh, they He didn't technically do the same for Alex Wood, but like every everyone's sort of talking about it from what I've read, like he is a starter. Like um, Roberts is like sort of danced around it, but he, he kind of is. Um, Alex Wood, uh, he said something like this when he was signed to, but uh, he talked to Bill Plunkett at spring training, said, I knew coming in the spot was fine, and I don't think they would have signed me if they weren't confident that I would pitch well. Andrew Friedman said, um, also to Bill Plunkett, uh, we know what he's capable of. This is about Alex Wood. Uh, so to the extent that he comes out and looks like what we expect, it's hard to see how he wouldn't be in the starting rotation. So that to me, that's a pretty clear starting five. Um, so those are my locks there. Now, did, was your question before I get to the bullpen, or was oh, it? Oh yeah, we're in the bullpen for my question. Okay. we're good. We're good. Okay, so I list five locks here, only because just to make a point that they are the five relievers that have five years of service time. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, they can't be sent down without their permission. Um, and it's Kenley Jansen, Blake Trinan, Joe Kelly, Pedro Baez, and Jimmy Nelson. Now, Jimmy Nelson has been uh, extensive injury history the last couple of years. He's been um, sort of shut down so far, like hasn't pitched in a game yet. Lower body discomfort, like he's a hockey player. Um, I think I, I, the way I was reading it was groin and lower back. Um, but like, it's very possible he starts the year on the DL. So oh, like, I will give you a little hint. I have I have his name down, and DL is written to the left. So oh, okay. So I agree. Um, I'm just I'm just pointing it. I just wanted to. I have him in as like a nominal lock. Sure. We'll, we'll get to the so that. With five starters and five relievers, that only leaves um, three spots. Now, I talked about those guys having five um, years of service time can't be set down. Everybody else on the forty man has options. Like so, this is one of the more we talked about. We've talked about this in the past where you can have like a super deep roster, but like if it's inflexible, it's not it, the depth doesn't do you any good. This like this is one of the more functionally deep rosters the Dodgers have ever had. Even like Ross Stripling can be optioned if they wanted to, you know. Um, so like we're down to like three spots. Uh, Dustin May is like is starter only, basically. Robert said so he's not going to be in the bullpen this year. To me, that means he's starting in AAA pretty clearly. Obviously, unless one of the starters get hurt. Um, so he's sort of off the radar. Tony Gonsolin, Roberts said, like they're working him as a starter now. But um, if they had to, like he could he could work in the bullpen. So like he's not out of the question to make the opening day bullpen. Although, if if you're if I'm picking and maybe I might, he's probably in the AAA rotation to start the year for me. But that's just a, an option. So getting to the the three batter minimum part, uh, the Dodgers essentially have three loogies. Um, it's Ferguson, Alexander, and Kalerik for maybe two spots. It's maybe one spot, but probably two spots. Um, I will say this. Uh, the, I will just give you this quote from Dave Roberts, again, from uh, Bill Plunkett in the Orange County Register. Uh, With Alexander and Ferguson throughout their careers, they're kind of neutral as far as splits, and Adam, Kalerik, not so much. But what he did against left-handers last year, we're giving him the opportunity to see if that upshot plays against right-handed hitters. We've got some tough decisions to make. And then the part I bolded here was you're not going to carry all three of them. That seems kind of obvious. It's hard to carry three relievers, three lefties anyway, um, especially with a three batter minimum. But that's just wanted to point out that's what Robert said. So at maximum, I think they'll take two of them. I do think they'll take two of them. Um, I, I broke down some of the splits. Um, so Choleric is the most loogie of them. Uh, in 2019, with the Rays and the Dodgers, 42 of his 54 appearances were only one or two batters. Uh, with LA, it was 20 out of 26 uh, were short outings, but 12 of those outings ended the inning. So, like that means 18 of his 26 Dodgers outings were like would count, would still be applicable under the new rules. So it's not as as like drastic a change as it may appear. He has the most extreme splits in his. He's only he's been in the majors for parts of three years. It's one ninety nine, two forty three, two eighty one against lefties, and against righties, it's two ninety nine, three sixty eight, four eighty. So like that's a from like neutralizing batters completely to essentially a a power hitting slugger. Um, so that that's a rough thing. 
Ferguson in the last two years has pretty even splits. Like the OPS is roughly the same against lefties and righties. He actually has a higher K rate against righties than lefties. Um, Alexander, now he's coming off like surgery. He's actually the he's pitched. I, I was I didn't see the game he pitched in, but he has pitched an inning so far. So like that would be the only worry for me for Alexander is that um, if he hadn't pitched, he's an extreme ground, ground ball guy. So is Kolarik, but like. Uh, Alexander has had experience, more experience and more a little more success against righties than Kolarik has. Um, the, the, I looked at the surgery um, for Alexander was in September. It was nerve irritation in his left hand. He last pitched in a game June 5th last year, although, like I said, he has pitched this spring. So he's definitely applicable. So that gets to the um, – to sort of our picks for like the last three spots. Do you have any ideas? I have my three. Do you want me to say mine first or do you want to say yours first? I'll, I'll say my, uh, no, I want, I, I'm going to start. I have to pick, but I'm picking between two. Cause a, a reminder, I'm picking four cause I'm having Nelson oh. start on the DL. So yeah, uh, three would be easy. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll not, maybe I'll make it easier myself and say Nelson won't start on the DL. And also that's just, that's just nice. nice of me. Okay. I have my three. They're starred. Okay, and you want me to go first? You go first. Okay, because you said that, I I am going to also put Nelson on the DL. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, hmm. okay. Wow. All right. Um, you good? Yeah. Okay. Let's... I want to go. How about this? We're going to start. Yeah. Stripling's making this roster. Stripling's on the roster. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> now, what left do you have? Give me a left-hander. Give me your your most confident left-hander. Caleb Ferguson. Okay, I think it's I think it's Cleric. Yeah. So and again, spring outings. You take it with a grain of salt. He allowed six straight singles against the Rangers on Sunday. All right. Um, but, but again, it doesn't like, it doesn't mean he like, Oh, well, he can't be on the team now. Like it just happens, right? Like whatever. But um, it, that that's going to be an issue. Like uh, whether he's, he exposes them a little too much. If he has to be right. So that was my, I'll say Alexander's my other lefty. Um, again, assuming health. But like with with Nelson on the DL, I think, man, I, this is more like, and this is almost like a, a wild card play, just because I haven't, I didn't expect this to to make this. I didn't expect to make this choice, and a lot could really depend on it. As much as like Gonsolin like showed like major leagues flashes. I think they want to keep him as a starter, at least to start. Mm-hmm. And if they have stripling as a swing man, they keep Gonsolin going as a starter in triple a mm-hmm. and they give it to the kid, uh, Bruce star greater. Yeah. Okay. So that, that was the yeah. name that, so I pronunciation guide. I've been watching a YouTube video and that yeah. Detroit review of him saying his name. I have it as Bruce star Garaterol. Yeah, that yeah, that's about right. I okay. think I just met, I just. Well, I mean, you know, I understand. Look, I got <laughs> you on Beatty. I deserve. Yeah, that, I know. So. <laughs> no, I just want I wanted to make sure I'm right because I yeah. like. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're we're tied one to one. But so the, no, that was the name, and that was the and I hinted at it earlier. That was the one name not mentioned at all in your show notes. I yeah. I don't want to call him a lock because again, he is young. He's got a lot of options, a lot of flexibility, and being able to call him up and call him down. But 
that stuff is electric and that's the kind of arm they need i i expect him to make the opening day roster now uh so i have to ask uh who is your other lefty besides Blair? I, so, yeah, I was. I literally have uh, Ferg question mark Alexander question mark here in my notes, and I was like, "Any, meeny, money mowing." Um, I think Caleb Ferguson, but I again, I, I'm not. <laughs> I am not married to that selection. Okay, so it, 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 our only roster difference then comes down to me picking Scott Alexander and you picking Adam Kaler. Yep. Okay. And it's you know it'll be someone completely both? yeah it'll be Yadier Alvarez watch <laughs> yeah <laughs> they'll put him back like, on the forty <laughs> hey look my shoulder's healthy um, so <laughs> okay I have Scott Alexander you have Adam Kolarik um, and we both predict grim things for Jimmy Nelson apparently <laughs> poor, no poor I didn't now. remember I changed I my it, mind I changed my mind because I didn't want to yeah. pick between the two so <laughs> no I, I know yeah exactly um. Yeah, I get it. So that, that's fine. So we have a Dodgers rewind, but I think you have a trivia question for me before we we, we do that. Oh, yeah, because, you know, we mentioned Ross Stripling uh, still in the organization. Jock Peterson also still in the organization. So it, it got to me. I actually went through and, and looked up everyone on the 40-man roster. Um, which of these players... Uh, I'm sorry. Can you name? Can you name the Dodgers with more seniority in the organization than Peterson and Stripling? I'm not going to tell you how many there are. So just I a clarification to... before we go to buy. Yeah. In the organization, not the major league roster. Correct. I, I won't tell you where they are on the on the seniority list. I will tell you that Peterson and Stripling are back to back on where they stand. Yeah, so, this like, is going to get interesting just because I think most of my knowledge in this area is with Major League Monster in mind. Um, so I'm going to say a guess, and I could be very wrong, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Is the number four? How many? It's not. It's not. Is it, It's more than that. It's not. It's not. It's less than It's three? Jock Peterson is the fourth most okay. senior okay. Dodger. I was okay. I was close. Because so, so there's yeah. okay. So there's three three. I have to come up with three names. Yep. Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw is second. Uh, signed on June twentieth, two thousand six. Just for point of uh, clarification, uh, Peterson, uh, August sixteenth, two thousand ten. Uh, Ross Stripling, June seventh, two thousand twelve, was his signing date. He signed uh, twenty three days before. Someone who I will not name, just in case you name them incorrectly. <laughs> Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen, number one, signed as an amateur on November seventeenth, two thousand four. Um, yeah, about seventeen months before Kershaw. Uh, <sighs> I have to come up with uh, number three now. Um, I'm going to ask for a hint. Is it a reliever? It is. Pedro Baez. It is. Okay. It's like no matter how we how we structure these questions, it's always best if Pedro Baez <laughs> ends up last. Well, it, Pedro Baez to me is interesting because I don't know if this was just a blind spot in my paying attention to the minors, but he has always been in the major leagues. Like he's just like he appeared yeah. one day, and then I'm like, oh, and I do, I don't remember hearing about him in the minor. That and again, that's 
probably on me more than anything else, but more so than any other players who I, oh, I remember hearing about him, you know, either um, you or uh, other writers on Triple LA writing about them. Um, Pedro Reyes just was like, oh, here's a, a Spitfire reliever, okay, who pitches really, really slow. And January 22nd, 2007. So he, he's been in the organization for more than 13 years. Crazy. That's um, awesome. Okay, so getting back. So Stripling is fifth. Uh, 23 days later after Stripling, Corey Seager signed. Now, the next two are like the most shocking, or not shocking, but like they have the most interesting facts. So like, um, so the seventh most tenured Dodger in the organization, July 4th, 2012, is someone who has never pitched in the majors. Victor Gonzalez, who was just added to the 40 man. But then the best part about that, the number eight, the eighth tenure Dodger. Yeah. Julio Urias, <laughs> who is also the third youngest Dodger on the 40 man <laughs> roster. That is amazing. Like, so August 17th, 2012, signed famously on the the same scouting trip that uh, uh, garnered Yasiel Puig. Teacher so. Dodger Yasiel Puig? Mm-hmm. No, no, still a free agent still free agent could happen yep not not rolling it out all right you got you messaged me while i was unpacking that you have like you have dodgers rewinds in in the roster in the holster not the roster yeah uh, ready to go i'm excited to hear this one i actually yeah i i, I have next podcast dodger rewind it just because uh a lot of these have been tied to um, something in the podcast, but I had something in my mind that I wanted to like, or just someone I was thinking about. So like next podcast, unless I find a way to tie it in, it's just going to be some random thing, but that's fine too. Um, something that's just interesting, but this one um, d- does have a bit of a tie in. Um, actually, <laughs> wait, does it? Hmm. Hmm. Wait, let me just look at my notes. Sure. No, it does not. It does not have a tie in. Okay. <laughs> But it was just someone I was thinking of. Oh, I know. Okay, the the loose, very loose tie-in is that the Dodgers have um, uh, Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger in the lineup. When when the first game that they're in the uh, starting lineup together, ideally it'll be opening day. Things could obviously change. Um, but it'll be the first time the Dodgers have had two former position player MVPs in their lineup since like 1972 um, when they had Frank Robinson and Maury Wills. (laughs) So that's a huge deal. And that's what made me think about the MVP. So this week's Dodgers rewind is Jake Daubert, who won the first, uh, it was the first Dodger to win MVP. It was called the Chalmers award in uh, 1913. However, uh, he is well. This is a product of his era. So he's one of twelve Dodgers with uh, four thousand plate appearances and no All Star games. The reason he has no All Star games is because there wasn't an All Star game when he played. <laughs> Zach Wheat, a Hall of Famer, also same way. So nine of those twelve played before the All Star game. There are three Dodgers who played during the All Star game era with four thousand plate appearances with the Dodgers. Um, and didn't make an all-star team. How many can you name? I bet one. <laughs> I, I, you're you're going to nail one for sure. Okay, so I, I Googled the name real quick, but it was my first guess. Um, I think I'm right. Eric Garros? That is correct. Okay. He has uh, 6,624 plate appearances. I think appearances. that came up on a previous trivia question where like, I had to guess okay. something stupid about all-star games and did not guess Eric Garros, and yeah. you told me that, and I was shocked. 
uh, my he, hero, Eric Kerr. Yeah, he had a, like two excellent years in terms of, uh, you know, uh, like OPS plus, uh, some sabermetric stuff, uh, where he was like legitimately like probably among the, the best hitters in the game that like 1995, 1999 didn't make an all star either year. So, yeah. That that's him. There's two more. Uh, I will give you him. Both played in the '60s. Yep, passing. <laughs> okay, uh, Wes Parker uh, and Ron Fairley. Ron Fairley, former uh, Dodgers rewind guest, he played mm-hmm. in All Star games later with the Expos and the Blue Jays. God, um, Wes <laughs> Wes Wes Parker, uh, future Brady Bunch star. Um, he. Um, he played nine years. He was part of the Dodgers switch hitting infield. Uh, he won six gold gloves. Uh, he was excellent, but no all-star team. So yeah, those are the, maybe those 30 are the guesses. And I would have gotten the West Parker. And yeah. That, it's, that's it. I tapped out correctly. I'm very happy with that. I, if I remember right, I don't have the list in front of me, but uh, just below 4,000 plate appearances. It was like 39 something, or maybe 38. Um, was Steve Yeager also no all-star games, but like just, just sort of get there. Uh, higher up on like the guys who've played a long time for the Dodgers, but that's um, such a mean trivia question because I have to like guess really medium plus players, and it's like right. I, if for instance Jaeger, I could if I could say it, I, I would just piss somebody off. Like, oh, how could you say that? He was so great. He made eight All Star games. He was great. He invented the the net guard for catchers. Like <laughs> that should be an All Star. He should have been an All Star for that. Um, so I was reading up on Daubert. Um, he was considered uh, outstanding defensively at first base uh, for this time, and it's it's the dead ball era. Uh, he did play into the 20s with the Reds. He was on the, the 1919 Reds that beat the Black Sox in the World Series. He also played to the 1916 World Series with the Dodgers. Um, I looked at, at his, his Sabre bio. <laughs> the uh, Okay, so there's a book called The Ball Players, and the way they described uh, Daubert was – quote, modest, polite, and colorless, though a tiger about money. And uh, <laughs> and so I looked more into this, and he was, man. Like, um, in 1913, uh, he was the vice president of something called the Baseball Players Fraternity. And uh, that was, you know, long precursor to the Players Union. They didn't really get anywhere, but he sort of started the process a little bit. He asked baseball commissions uh, uh, to improve labor conditions, and they basically told him to F off. Um, among the things he asked for, which was amazing, if you just in hindsight, that the players receive one free uniform, including shoes. And the owner said, screw you. <laughs> like, um, he had a money dispute with Dodgers owner Charlie Ebbets. That led to his trade to the Reds before 1919. He actually sued Ebbets uh, for not paying um, the Dodgers over the last month of the 1918 season, which ended early because of World War One. <laughs> so like this guy was he was like early labor man the reason part of that is because he worked in the coal mine since age 11 um he played uh he worked there from age 11 till he went to the miners at age 22 so like he had a lifetime of work in the coal mines before he was like a like a full adult almost he made his debut in the majors at age 26 his father worked in the Coleman's for 57 years <laughs> i read something i think they i saw that he, when he got like his first big like signing bonus um he he like told his dad to stop working there and like just to get him out he had two brothers who also worked in the coal mines one of them calvin died in 1916 
So like it was like it haunted him. Uh, his Hall of Fame profile. He's um, uh, I read a biography at, uh, on the Hall of Fame website about him. Uh, this is a haunting quote, man. Like this is what it said. Um, this is what Daubert said. It was only yesterday that I thought I would always be a coal miner. I never expected to be anything else. It doesn't seem right that I should be so fortunate. I can't help feeling it will all slip away from me someday that and that I shall finish my life where it started, in the coal mines. So, like, he played, like, his whole career like an awesome baseball player, thinking, man, I'm going to end up dying in a coal mine one day. So, that backdrop. Uh, he won the NL MVP in 1913. He was like a consistent player, 39 career war. He averaged three a year, three war a year with the Dodgers, 123 uh, OPS plus, really good. He was so popular with the Dodgers that he was nominated for city alderman. I didn't get the exact year on that. He did lose the election, though. Um, he's fourth all-time in, in Dodgers history in triples with 87. He led the National League twice, including once with the Dodgers in 1918. He averaged 11 triples a year. <laughs> My favorite stat maybe against him, or, okay, there's a couple. He's the all-time National League leader in sacrifice bunts, 392. Uh, Eddie Collins is the only player in Major League history with more. He has 512. But um, so – he actually never led the league in sacrifices with the Dodgers, but he averaged 26 a year. Can you imagine sacrificing 26 a year in today's game? He had a career he had a high of career high of 39 sacrifices in one year. That's that's some Jay Bell stuff right there, man. Now he does he did set a record. Um August 15, 1914. Uh, most sacrifices in one game, four. Um that uh there's been six total players to have Four sacrifices in a game. Three of them came in the uh, in the live ball era, so those are a little more impressive in terms of like style of play. They they stand out a little more. He also had in that that same day, day that he had four sacrifices in the one game. It was a doubleheader, and he had two more in the other game. So he had six, the most sacrifices in one day in, in major league history. Now, the, the even sadder part, uh, he did die early, and he died as an active player. Uh, he was 40 when he was playing with the Reds. This is from his Sabre bio. Uh, a contributing factor to his death was a beaning he suffered early in the season, one of at least eight in his career. And I think it's not necessarily eight hit by pitches, but eight like really bad like beanings. Mm -hmm. He suffered from headaches and had trouble sleeping the rest of the season. In a weakened condition, Dobbert began to suffer from what doctors thought was appendicitis and gallstones on October Second, he was operated on, even receiving blood transfusions from one of the doctors. Daubert never recovered, passing away one week later. So that's an incredibly sad uh, ending to his tale. But uh, yeah, he—I guess it's a little better that he didn't die in the coal mines. But man, what a what a player and what an interesting sort of uh, life he led. Well, I think it's time, Eric. Time for what? Questions from Craig. What a smooth transition. Man. So we I got to turn the tables here. Craig has a trivia question for you. I get to be wrong on this one. Justin Turner is one of seven L.A. Dodgers to have a 300-plus batting average with a minimum of 2,000 plate appearances. Can Eric name the other six? Eric can probably not. Um, I will say... I thought about this ahead of time. I didn't look it up, but uh, I four came to me that I was thinking of, and I'm probably two or three could be wrong. Um, 
But Mike Piazza, Gary Sheffield, Tommy Davis, and Pedro Guerrero were the all, four that all came. four all four correct. Okay, and then so I I I have to guess on the other two mostly because I'm not confident in them. Um, I don't I, think I he can. Ended up, I can do. I can do some hints if you want. Nah, I don't. I don't want the hints. I'm just gonna go for it. Um, and, just, and don't tell me I'm wrong until the end. I just start just naming two. Uh, Steve Garvey and um, man, two thousand plate appearances. Um, hmm. This may or may not be a hint, but I'm going to say I want to want you to know that the two you're missing have both. The one has the most plate appearances of the seven, and one has the least of these seven. Whoa. <laughs> the most. Uh, hmm. Perhaps a man like Steve Garvey had a lot of plate appearances, you know. Yeah. So you, um, you got okay. it. I'm going to let you know. You got that one right. So you're, you're missing the one with the least amount of plate appearances. And I don't, I'm just going to, I'm just going to guess Raphael for call, but I don't think it's right. It's it's not correct. I, I'm going to give you one more chance. This uh, player had a very famous fictional pinch hit for uh, Pedro Bourbon. Oh, Manny Moda. There you go. Yeah. Dang, that's good. <laughs> Manny. Solid. Manny. <laughs> if you read Pedro Bourbon's um, Wikipedia page, it mentions the, the airplane? airplane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently... Uh, in his later years, that's what he was. His son says that's what he was most known for, and that he 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 enjoyed that. That's amazing. Mark Sweeney set an LA Dodger record in 2008 with 92 plate appearances. Kike Hernandez has the most pinch hit plate appearances in the last four seasons with 52 in 2017. With the extra player of the season, will Dodger have more than 52 plate appearances as a pinch hitter this season? Now, I I've, we talked about this a little earlier. I think the three batter minimum is going to put a premium on available right-handed hitters against left-handed pitchers. I think that's what teams are going to try to exploit late in games, whether it's someone who's already starting or if you can put in a person like, say, Kike Hernandez or Chris Taylor or whoever. So I do think Kike is probably going to be the choice here, and I do think he can get – at least 52 plate appearances in 2020. And I think he'll be helped by the three batter minimum because they can get him into a situation where he has to face a left-hander. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's more opportunities for that. And I think maybe we'll see uh team see more aggressive. I think if we had, if this question was geared towards like team plate appearances, yeah, uh, I would, I would, I would agree with you. I think one player getting it, I think, especially with the Dodgers' flexibility, I think we could see a like a lot of what they did last year, where they'll load heavily against the lefty and then sort of immediately bring in uh, the right-handers, wow. at, um, kind of in the defensive switch. So I don't think a single one will, uh, but I'm I'm curious to see if it'll happen. I like it. Per fan graphs, there are currently three teams that are between ten and twenty percent of a chance to make the playoffs. Among these teams. Which will be the which blah, blah, which one will be in the best position at the end of May? The Angels, seventeen point five percent. The Phillies, seventeen point eight percent. Or the Diamondbacks, fifteen point one percent. Okay, so off the bat, not knowing anything going in, my initial thought is to el- eliminate the Angels right away. I think they're much better. Their offense is actually fairly decent. 
Um, they're still lacking in pitching, and that's going to cost them. But also they play in a really tough division with the Astros and A's. Just that alone is enough to say they're not going to be good. The more I look at it, they, the 10 of their first 21 games are against the Astros, which, <laughs> my God. However, they so they, they're going to be like the Petri dish uh, early in the season of, oh, who are these teams going to throw at the Astros? Like It's going to be like all Angels pitchers for the first like two and a half weeks. So they also, Angels, play uh, 15 games in May against teams that made the playoffs, plus Cleveland, who won 93 games. But they also, in their first two months, played 20 games against like five of the five or six of the literal worst teams last year that were all like 95 plus losses. So, possibility that it's like a balance there, but I don't think they're good enough to be of these three. I, I also like the Diamondbacks. They basically have a lineup now with no holes. They traded for Starling Marte. Um, I guess Nick Ahmed is probably their biggest hole, but he's so good defensively that it makes it worth it. And he's actually, he could be fine batting, but like, that's a solid lineup. I like what Bumgarner brings to the rotation. The only caveat is yes, Bumgarner helps the rotation, but not that this is the ideal way to sort of look at what, how you sort of uh, see what a team is going to do, but uh, he's, you know, they had 146 innings from Zach Greinke last year at a 154 ERA plus. So that that sort of buoyed their team. They're not going to have any of that this year. So they have to make up for it in a lot of ways. So I think that it's a bigger hole than people realize, probably, um, that Bumgarner and others will have to fill. So I think that'll be tough. But also, And also they're in the same division as the Dodgers. So their basic only path is wild card. Now the Phillies are in, a, in the National League East where – it's kind of wide open. Any of the uh, four non-Marlin teams can win it in, in theory. And um, and they signed Zach Wheeler, improved their pitching staff. The only thing is like McCutcheon is not ready for opening day because he's still recovering from last year's injury. So um, they have a really easy schedule in April, but it gets a lot tougher in May. So it's really for me between the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. I'm going to pick the Phillies here just because of the they, the doubling of the – division chances plus the wild card chances. Uh, and I think they're probably, I think the Diamondbacks might actually be a better team, but in a tougher position uh, and maybe affecting their playoff odds. So I'm going to pick the Phillies. I'm looking up one thing real quick. Yeah. Um, hmm, interesting. So I'm, I'm going to go with you with the Phillies. I, the reason why I was, was uh, my historical belief that, uh, Bryce Harper is extremely good in April and then just kind of tails off. He was actually kind of consistent month to month last year. So he kind of broke that trend, but I'm going to stick with it because I got nothing better. I, I, the angels are one of those teams that I, I'm, I, I tend to focus much more in the national league for obvious reasons than the American league. Um, so the, I think because of that offense and because of how many great, uh, of the, the their best players, how great they are. It's so easy for me to think they should really have been better. <laughs> and I think this every year, and then they end up, you know, not being very good. So that was my temptation early on. But I'm going to take your word for it that not only uh, do they sort of have still struggles in the pitching department, but that schedule uh, kind of deter them way, especially if we're just talking the end of May. The other thing that like you could see them sort of piecing together a rotation if they maybe if everything broke right like they signed Julio Tehran they traded for Dylan Bundy they still have Andrew Haney 
Now, they were going to count on Griffin Canning. He's going through this elbow thing that they don't know what it is yet. It's elbow. And like, I think I think so Ross like, Stripling is due for a really big year for them. Right, and that's the thing. Like, that made it really <laughs> bizarre that they didn't pull that deal off. So, like, yeah, so they're, they're going to rue the day they didn't make the Stripling-Peterson trade. So that'll hurt them. Craig asks, when I was in the ninth grade, I was assigned Don Quixote as a semester project, and as an added bonus, I had to give part of my report in Spanish. Is there any school assignment either of you recall that was as memorable as mine? I, I was laughing at this because I was racking my brain trying to think of a memorable thing, but no matter what, it's like, well, no, there's no, there's nothing I had that was close to that. But like, uh, I couldn't think of anyone like offhand. Um, trying to think of a like a school assignment that was that memorable like they all there's some that kind of run together i honestly can't think of one off the top of my head um i'm i'm blanking do you have one i'm uh, i'm sure i'm sure that i had i had some pretty interesting ones that i, I can't quite recall off the top of my head but my answer i'm going to cheat a little bit because it wasn't the assignment that was interesting but I was particularly proud of how bored I was with how I did it. The assignment was something like a first-person essay of a romance writer. Uh, oh, so I did, I did. I <laughs> did. Not that. <laughs> Damn it. Clive Cussler. <laughs> yes, very famous uh, Harlequin writer. Mary Shelley was who I picked. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, but I, I was particularly bored. This was tenth grade, I think. Uh, so I, I wrote my essay as a um like an acrostic sort of thing so if you took the first letter of every sentence in my my essay it's spelled out um we all live in a yellow submarine so wow there you go okay so i i have a couple that stand to mind they they don't they pale in comparison to craig's thing and, and probably don't even apply but so in high school uh I was I always preferred math to science for some reason. I just I just didn't like taking some of the classes, so I took the bare minimum of science in high school, and as a result, I wasn't in uh, an AP physics class that a bunch of my friends were in, and they had a teacher who like had them do a bunch of cool projects throughout the year, but which included like making videos and stuff. But being that they were my friends and I was hanging out with them, I, I got to be in a few of those videos. Uh, including one, I believe, where I don't even know how this applied to physics, maybe. Um, but we sort of reenacted a scene from Die Hard. And my my friend, I just remember him like frantically yelling into a walkie-talkie, Mother Falcon, Mother Falcon. <laughs> and, then, and then our other friend, Craig, um, jumping off the roof of his house into a pool. Like they, we just wanted to get that on video, basically. So sure. it was just dumb stuff like that. I think I played a Secret Service agent in that, and which was basically taking a corded uh, telephone uh, cord from like inside of my collar to my ear and like making me look official. Uh, anyway, that was cool. But then I, the, so in terms of my, me personally, this wasn't an assignment, but in fifth grade, I won class president because my speech to the class was a rap. And uh, I blew I blew everyone away so much that they, I think I believe there was going to be an initial election and then the the finale after that. I I trounced everyone so badly in the initial election because of the rap that uh, and I'm sure it was terrible. I don't even remember what it was, but like uh, that I was immediately named class president. So, <laughs> so I have just two backups to to your story. Yeah. Uh, one, 
I was in student council, not president, but once in fourth grade, which was packed. You and I are learning a lot, learned a lot about politics in elementary school. Clearly, one, you you're you took the the stomp t- stare approach, right? Just to kind That's of right. wrap your way to victory. Um, mine was just make bold place, not lies, but promises. <laughs> I couldn't really back up. I ran on. Um, I'm going to try to fix the air conditioning, and that was a very popular position. Uh, you know, and they they didn't give the fourth grader the chance to talk Weird. to the maintenance guy. Like, hey. <laughs> amazing, amazing that you didn't they didn't have input in that. So my my big sort of um, I think my chore as fifth grade class president was I got to announce the the names for graduation for some reason, even though I was one of them, like for elementary school. So we, I don't know, but the, so the funniest part to me, at least, it was embarrassing, but um. We did the Pledge of Allegiance, uh-huh. and in, I remember instead of saying, please be seated, I said, please sit down. And it wasn't even, like, rude, but it, sound, it it could have been construed that way, and, like, everyone sort of laughed, and I didn't know what they were laughing about, and I was like, what? And then, like, uh, it was it's like it was this weird, awkward moment, and it took me, like, a second to figure it out. I was like, oh, I get it. All right. Um, that's funny. But Before yeah, moving on to the food question, my last little bit, uh, as another kudos to my father who helped out so much this weekend. Um, you mentioned he was an aut- he's an audio engineer, but he's video and audio editor, mm-hmm. and that's why we moved to LA in the first place. So when we had video assignments, we had ours professionally edited. Uh, so uh, ours ours kicked ass. That's good. So that that was that was always good. We always we always won those assignments. Food uh, question. Uh-huh. I, I really like this question a lot. Oh, I, man. I, yeah. I have to embarrass myself on it. Construct your favorite Mexican food combination plate, choosing the protein and types, enchiladas, tacos, tostada, or something else, plus rice and beans, of course. Okay. Uh, so first of all, I read this as – uh, there could be two answers, but – I'm taking this as a sit-down Mexican restaurant. Like there okay. could be a takeout where you're you're getting something in a um, styrofoam shell or whatever, and but it's it's basically the same. But I, I I'm taking this as a plated sit-down Mexican restaurant, and so I think you have to have something. Like enchilada is a very nice thing to have at a sit-down. Mexican restaurant. I like the fact that there's ingredients inside the tortilla. I like the flavor of the enchilada sauce, whatever it is. However, I also, I prefer the, the, usually I prefer the contents or there's more possibilities for contents inside a burrito than an enchilada. And you can just simply get the, some of the flavor by using the same like sauce over the breed or making it a wet burrito or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think my combo has to have a wet burrito, at least like, like a smothered burrito, like either in cheese uh, and salsa, if not like a enchilada sauce over it or whatever. Um, and I'm a sucker for a standalone hard shell taco, like a shredded beef taco. Uh, the burrito could be anything, could be carne asada, could be chicken. If I go enchilada, depending on what the other thing, like you could go burrito with meat and like a cheese enchilada. Uh, the other option is like a chili relleno as an, as a thing there. But I think I would think I would probably prefer an enchilada in that case. 
but yeah, I think I would go like smothered burrito, uh, let's say carne asada, and then a shredded beef, or let's say a chicken burrito, and then a shredded beef taco, and then obviously rice and beans. And so I think that that's what I would probably go with. So me going to a Mexican restaurant is okay. Here's the deal: I don't really like rice. I really don't like beans. I'm yeah. allergic to cilantro. Right. So but other than that, I was the play, Mrs. Lincoln. <laughs> right. Yeah, I so, get it. Uh, but I love Mexican food outside of this these horrible restrictions. Well, um, here's the deal: like you, let's just be clear: you can't go wrong with any of these combos. Like these are all this is all awesome, right? Well, well, right. Unless they have cilantro in the sauce, and then exactly. I have to basically not eat the beans and the rice, and I get looked at funny. And I, so I, I tend not to go not mostly because I'm embarrassed for myself. Um, mm. That said, I have now you know my 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 wife. My wife. There you go. Uh, loves beans and rice, so sometimes I'm able we're able to work out a situation where she just eats the sides, and I look like I'm a normal person. Yeah. So uh, my favorite dish, when I can avoid the embarrassment, is, uh, I would go only one thing, which would be chicken enchiladas with a brown mole sauce. That's. I mean, that's excellent. Yeah. That's great. See. Yeah, delicious. Now I'm yeah. hungry, and it's almost one a.m. But I'm going <laughs> to yeah. eat something anyways. Not not enchiladas. I don't have those at the house, but I'm going to have something to eat. Yeah. So I like it. I, I like where we're at. So yeah, um, I think we did a good job predicting the roster. So we're obviously going to get at least four or five wrong uh, <laughs> each. There's going to yeah. be one big trade, and two players are going to get hurt that we never saw coming. Yeah, uh, I'm glad to be back uh, at True Blue LA. It's like that's the like writing about the Dodgers and just like covering a baseball team is like the most joy I've ever had at a job. And I get to do that again and like get to dedicate more time to it now. So like very happy where I'm at, uh, very happy to still obviously be doing the podcast and be on the site and happy to be with you uh especially in your new uh professional home studio oh, yeah, uh, this is, uh, so these are exciting times at triple a uh, thanks for listening everybody and we will get back to you at least once uh, before the regular season thanks for listening